0: Hello, this is Kyle with the Geek Rex Podcast. This week Shane and I chat about Pacific Rim. Shane loved it. I didn't. We get down to the brass taxes of why and hopefully have a fairly interesting discussion for you. We also go into some of the stuff for San Diego Comic Con again, this time more in detail, because tons of news came out this week. Just tons. And we cap it all off by running through a few comics. You can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Follow us on Twitter at geek underscore rex. And like us on Facebook. book, but I think it's pretty, pretty fascinating, okay. and uh, you know, I joined a book club that, uh, have you ever heard of this author, Haruki Murakami, is that, uh, that last name sounds familiar, yeah, yeah. he's a, he's a Japanese author that uh, has gotten, gained, gained quite a bit of fame over the past 20 years, but I've never read any of his works, Hannah loves him, so we joined this book club, uh, that our friend Chris put together, and this is our, their first meeting's coming up tomorrow, and I'm a slow reader, but I started reading this book about a week ago, and uh, it's very, very good, but I'm like at the ebb of trying to get 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 done. <laughs> it, it's kind of a cool book, though. It's called Hard-Boiled Wonderland uh, and the End of the World, And it's it's a book that has like two separate narratives every other chapter. So it's like the even chapters have one narrative, the odd chapters have another narrative. And the one chapter like the odd the odd number chapters, like chapter one, three, you know, whatever, is very inception like. And that uh, it's about, like, these sort of corporate saboteurs and the, these guys that have, like, special powers of being able to transmit information into certain types of codes and stuff. And the even number chapters uh, are, is about this guy who lives in a walled-off, uh, like, uh, I, guess, I guess you would call it sort of like a rural wasteland where there are unicorns. And, uh, and like he can't leave his he can't leave the town, and people don't have shadows and all this craziness. So it's uh, it's it's I guess the whole point of the book is trying to determine how these two narratives connect. I have to say it's one of the more interesting books I've ever I've, I've ever. Popped open, and I can kind (laughs) of see the hype around this author. So, is this a novel or a graphic novel? It's a novel. It's a (laughs) it's a book with words. Kyle's reading a novel. (laughs) It's a book with words. So, um, I I I got so excited that I went and picked up two more of his books. I don't know if they'll be I don't know if they'll be the next books that we read for this club or not. But they um, they 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 were really cool sounding. I got this book called Kafka on the Shore. And his hmm. most recent book called IQ84. 84. IQ84 84 is about the length of the stand. So... Um, oh, fine. About 1,100, 1,200 pages of book, oh, not Lord. more. Then um, This one book's only like 400 pages. So I, I read... That, that's about more my speed, and I'm an avid reader. I know you are. You tweet about it all the time. I, <laughs> I, I read 100 pages today, so... That's good i got I got about a hundred more to go. I'm going to knock it out tonight after we get done here on this Saturday night before the book club meets tomorrow afternoon. I just nice. I don't want to have the book ruined for me uh, without having read it all so uh, very, very important so i would I would advise if anybody's looking for a cool book. Check out hard Wonderland and the End of the World. It's, uh, it's a very unique read, and if you like Inception, um, and it's got a little bit of humor, too, which is pretty funny. Uh, a little R-rated, but still very, very good. Uh, we're, anyway. we're all adults here. Yeah, we're all adults. I just, you know, I, I we never talk about book books, so I just thought, what the heck, man? I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll throw out the fact that I'm actually reading one. I'll mention it on, on there. Um, but yeah, it's a big week. We had uh, all kinds of news break loose and our own site has uh, had quite a, quite a few jumps at geekrex.com. Um, you know, we've had uh, maybe our most popular article ever get written, (laughs) which is insane. I don't even know. I
1: mean, I remember reading it when Hannah told me she had posted it
0: and I was like, oh, that sounds like an
1: interesting idea. And I read it and I thought it was a good article, but I was like, oh, well, it's just going to be like our average movie
0: reviews. It'll get maybe 40, 50 views. No, no, it's it's. I mean, it, 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 the article in question is a comparison of Monsters Inc. and uh, and uh, Monsters, University. Monsters University. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell I haven't seen either film. Monsters University and uh, Despicable Me too, and you know, based on a couple different criteria. And uh yeah, it's approaching like five hundred views at this point. Yep. It's on
1: four seventy three right now. Wow, that's nuts. And we got a comment. I mean that that in itself is a rarity. Yes. So that's <laughs> like a Bigfoot sighting, those happen so
0: much. <laughs> the hint is please comment on our reviews if you don't mind. We'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts for once. Um but yeah, it's really cool that uh that uh, that something something like that's getting such views and it's coming. Yeah, it seems
1: uh it seems what's better uh Monsters University or Despicable Me is a very popular Google search
0: term. Well, they came out at the same time, I think, is also uh relevant. Right. So worth worth noting. Very exciting. And Shane started the first of his series uh yep. this this week. Shane, you want to talk a little bit more about that series? Uh yeah. Uh we've
1: been discussing for a while now, pretty much ever since I've been on the site that we need to do more features and that people like lists and things like that. And I've I've done one or two features, but they've never made a huge splash. Um, I remember I did one about the Sinister Six, being an amazing Spider-Man, and then I did, and I think that one did okay. And then I did one about making more movies set in the land of Oz, and that one just didn't do, just jack. Um, but yeah, my new one—it's uh, going to be just a series, not regular by any means. Um, regular in that I want to do one or two a month, but not any more than that. Um, it's called uh, Confessions of a Movie Theater Employee, which is obviously referring to myself as a movie theater employee, a former movie theater employee. And um, the first post is just, like, kind of just tips for how to best make sure you have a decent time at the movies, make sure everything flows more smoothly. Um, Everybody's experience is going to be more varied, obviously. But it's kind of just, some things are very common sense, but I feel I justify myself well enough as to why I had to establish these things. And then some of them are things even you told me you hadn't heard of before, so
0: yeah yeah absolutely. I mean, just little tricks and and twists regarding like uh you know what you order in terms of popcorn and just some things you don't even notice about how how important concessions are related to yeah. the ongoing health of your local movie theater i mean I know they it can be expensive, but honestly, yeah. our movie theaters are sort of like our one of our big cultural touchstones, and much like I decry the loss of it seems silly to decry the loss of a place like like Borders bookstore. Yeah. Um you, you know the places that sell or at least screen um important cultural artifacts like books or movies or mm-hmm. video games. I mean, who knows what's going to happen to GameStop in the next couple of years? The uh for better or worse. Uh it's important that these things stay alive because unfortunately where else are you going to go to get these things other than on the internet? Yep. And it just takes away I mean, all the that, personalization. That's the last place you want to go. Right, know? right.
1: Like, not to say that you're not paying for things by going through the internet, but I know most of you aren't
0: when you yeah. go see a movie through the internet. Yeah, I, I, I would just hate, I mean, I, I, I hate to see movie theaters dry up because that's yep. that's you know the lifeblood of what, yeah. what is water cooler talk. and,
1: the, uh, the movie theater I write about that I worked at in that blog and then the ones that come after it uh, it has closed down since then. And uh, it, was, it wasn't really because business died. Um, the way my town was set up, we had two movie theaters, um, and we would get some of the movies that came out, and then the other theater would get the rest. So it really was just where, whatever was playing, that's where you would go. Um, it was just that the, our theater was behind a mall, and the mall had been asking for years for us to build a theater inside the mall. And our parent company, which will not be named, because we were part of a chain, uh, kept saying no. And then the other theater, which was also part of a chain, their chain said yes. And they built the theater in the mall, which opened recently. And it's a very nice theater. And I'm glad that they're doing great business. And I, I think it's the best movie theater Decatur's ever had. And I think they're very lucky to have such a nice movie theater. But it did mean the closing of the one that I worked at. But yeah, it's, I'm excited about this series. Um, I'm really proud of what is out right now. And I'm really glad that it's getting the views that it is. But I wouldn't say think don't think just because this one post is like that doesn't mean every single one's going to be like that sure I, sure. I want it to be uh I want it to be a platform to just kind of talk about a plethora of stuff
0: that's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing more uh, It's interesting though that they closed the, the 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 a movie theater inside a mall closed down the other movie theater i we I see so few now uh movie theaters inside malls. We have one. Here, right next to me, but that's the only one I can think of that's actually connected to a mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, uh, well, there might be two though. so I may be wrong. There might be one over in Cop as well. But it seems like it's becoming more of a rarity, and movie theaters becoming more of a standalone than I was than I'm right. used to. But uh, I don't know. Maybe my experience is just...
1: It's a a nice theater. It's the nicest part of that mall. I can say that much.
0: (laughs) Speaking of movie theaters, uh, a couple of movies opened up this weekend. And (laughs) obviously, uh, we're not going to talk about Grown Ups 2 because uh, we're not... Idiots. Oh, well, but, I went to the, the wrong movie on Thursday night. Um, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. But uh, Pacific Rim did open up, and uh, to a flurry of excitement from uh, a lot of our friends and uh, the Twitter base, for sure. If maybe or maybe not the uh, general movie public, I don't know. But uh, quite, quite a, an exciting little achievement for the geek crowd. And um, we both got a chance to see it this week. I saw it Tuesday, actually. And you can get a chance to read my thoughts as well as Hannah's thoughts on our website, uh, where we wrote sort of a uh, review and counter-review, kind of. It's more of like a case for and a case against, and uh, I'd love for for you to get a chance to read that if you can check that out. But they are, I can attest, they are both great. I think y'all both knocked it out of the park with each of them. Thanks, sir. Thank you very much. appreciated. Well, since you, since you, you've read my thoughts, uh, right. Yo, know, Shane, how about you, you talk about what you think first. I'll let you tee it all off, man. Okay. I'll try to be a little more well
1: articulated than I was on Twitter because <laughs> you, you seemed very worried about what I was going to no, say. No, I wasn't. This <laughs> I was, I was picking at you. Um, I had a good time. I think, uh, to use your least favorite adjective about a movie, I, it was a very fun movie. I was very entertained. um, I'm glad that we're talking about this two days after I've seen it, because I've had time to kind of digest it a bit. Because after getting out of it, the best thing I could come up with was, oh, it was fun, and the 3D was awesome, and it had robots and monsters, and that's all I could really get out at that point. Um, Now, two days out, I'm able to see a little few more of the flaws, but it's still a movie I very much so enjoyed. It's not my favorite movie of the summer, but it is a highly entertaining movie, and it is one that I will be definitely Checking out
0: on Blu ray. What'd you like best about it?
1: Oh, um, that's hard to say. And I mean, it's going to have to be something with the robots and the monsters fighting because I mean, that's what that movie's main selling point is. And although, really, thinking about it, the thing that stands out the most because those scenes, even though they're so clearly made with love by Del Toro for the genre of monster movies, um, there are not really any scenes, except for one I was discussing last night with our friend Brian on Twitter, that I can, pick, I can pick out very
0: clearly right
1: now in my memory. So I really think the thing that stands out the most is Ron Perlman. I think that might have been my favorite thing out of that entire movie.
0: Yep, he was my favorite thing, too. He
1: was, he was just great. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a character, um, which really, this can be said for pretty much any character in this movie, it's, it's not a character we've never seen before. But Ron Perlman just owns that role entirely.
0: Absolutely, yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal actor, and yeah. I I am very glad that uh, Guillermo del Toro is uh, he's one of his go tos, right. especially uh, I guess post Hellboy. And it was a nice surprise. Uh, I, I it was something I, I definitely I was definitely very excited about.
1: Yeah, I was surprised we didn't see uh let's see, is it Doug Jones is that who played Abe Sapien, and then a bunch yeah. of stuff in Pans Labyrinth? I was surprised he wasn't
0: in there, but yeah, I guess it's possible he man? did Mocap for the What? He was the Pale Man, right? In uh in in uh, Pan's yeah, he has Labyrinth. He was a bunch of stuff and then he was a bunch of things in
1: Hellboy Two in addition to Abe Sapien. Um but yeah, I was surprised he's wasn't in that movie at all. But he might have been, I guess
0: he might have been Mocap for one of the Kaiju or something, I don't know, but Yeah, yeah. uh, So, are are you a big fan of that uh, giant monster genre? Um, I would say I am. Uh, It comes from childhood of growing up
1: watching when TNT would do their Godzilla marathons, and we had taped pretty much every Godzilla movie from those marathons, and we would just me and my brother would just watch them over and over again, and so I just kind of fell in love with Godzilla as a kid. But really, I think. Cloverfield is the only giant monster movie I've been to see in the past 10 years. So, I mean, in 10 years, I've seen two giant monster movies. So it's not really a genre that I'm just constantly seeking out, but it is a genre that I love. It's a genre that I have some nostalgia tied to because I have memories of me and my brother taking paper bags from a grocery store and making buildings out of them. And then just so we can just basically destroy them, pretend that we're monsters in the living room. And it was just fun, so yeah, it's a genre that I'm nostalgic about, but it's not one that I'm just constantly
0: seeking. Would you say that uh, that this was the your favorite representation of this of that type of genre based on your uh, experience? <laughs>
1: um,
0: probably not, but it is a
1: it is a good amalgamation of things that make
0: that genre great. I think. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, fair enough. I, are you an anime fan at all? No, not at all. Okay. I, I well, just, I mean, I, Dragon Ball Z, but that's... Sure. I, I, I wasn't sure, because I, I know that the, the film uses a lot of those tropes, so... Right, uh, but what boy in the 90s wasn't watching Dragon Ball Z, so... Oh, I wasn't, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, what boy my age in the 90s? Sure. I, I, I was probably a little too old by the time Dragon Ball Z hit. Uh, that was probably a little beyond me. But the... Uh, okay, so uh, let me just say my opinion about the movie. Uh, okay. I was also a big monster movie fan as a kid uh, I was a huge fan of Godzilla and Mothra Rodan uh, Ghidorah you know all that stuff I I I, I, lo- I love those movies uh, yeah I did king- I had king I I had so many copies of King Kong versus Godzilla I can't even tell you I had two video co- tape copies of it and then I got
1: it on That's DVD. It's a very depressing ending to that movie, or at least the American version of that movie, if you're a Godzilla fan.
0: <laughs> wow, it's amazing if you're a King <laughs> Kong fan. But unfortunately, oh, so you were on the King so- Kong side of oh things, yeah. Then. I mean, I didn't like that he was a drunk that was drinking, you know, berry juice or whatever <laughs> it was he was doing. But I, I've never really liked any of the American, like, dubs of those Japanese films, though. I've, I always hated... Um, I hated the way they inserted Raymond Burr into the original Godzilla film. <laughs> I, mean, I just thought that was just awful. Um, the, if you ever get a chance, by the way, folks, the Criterion version of, of Gohira, or Godzilla, is awesome. I, say,
1: I think it says Godzilla on the Criterion collection. Yeah, yeah. It has a beautiful cover.
0: Yeah, and it's, and it's a really lovely transfer. I mean, if there's any mo- Godzilla movie you should buy, it's that one with uh, the Japanese were, subtitles.
1: Yeah, you were asking what is the best movie in that genre? And uh, it was made in the fifties, but I still think that God, Gojira is, or Godzilla, whatever your pick is still the, crowning achievement of that genre, which that could be a good thing or a bad thing, but I still think it's the best we've gotten.
0: Well, it's a striking bit of social commentary. Um, yeah. and, and, and the, but I think the original King Kong is also wonderful uh, with the, uh, the stop motion effects. I mean, for yeah. 19, was it 1938? I guess I just don't consider King, I guess I just wasn't thinking of King Kong. I did see Peter Jackson's King Kong, so I've seen three monster movies in oh, the wow. past. <laughs> That's not a very good movie either. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've seen it. So <laughs> <laughs> that movie is not not something I ever want to see again. But uh, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, to get to Pacific Rim, so I went into this movie really, really wanting to like it because I like Guillermo del Toro. I recognize mm-hmm. that he is a very skilled director, and he has not made a lot of films I like. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth being the key exception. I enjoy Hellboy fine, um, mm-hmm. it's, but it's not a movie I like to revisit. But Pan's Labyrinth is a is a work of art. Um. What about Hellboy 2? Hellboy 2 is fine. When I say Hellboy, I mean both movies. I mean what both about Hellboy 1 and 2? Hellboy 2. Yeah, Hellboy 2 is actually better than Hellboy 1, I would say. Um, the Golden Army. But the um, I'm going to go ahead and just say I walked out of that theater very disappointed. And it, it has a lot to do with a couple – there are a couple factors in relation to why I was okay. very – Unhappy with the film. One is that I found it to be very hollow. the The entire exercise was just, unfortunately, not very engaging for me. Now, I was surprised to think that too, because I like giant monster movies. Hell, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did. I will admit, I fell asleep in Transformers, but for the most part, this type of thing would be right up my alley. I like Neon Genesis Evangelion. I like uh Gundam. I like anime stuff that's in this sort of area. I, you know, I dig it. But there's something there that wasn't grabbing me. What I realized while watching it was the characters in this movie are so wafer-thin, so yeah. one-dimensional. They're, so they're
2: very
1: much written. So, Yeah, they're they're <laughs> very much so. Well, I would argue some of them are better written than others. Um particularly Ron Perlman's character, but that could be more the performance than the writing. Um But uh, yeah, all the characters in this movie, I I don't think there's a single character that's not some type of archetype for this genre. I don't think there's anything new in terms of characterization.
0: Yeah, and it's it's, – I I will say Ron Perlman's character lives and breathes in a way that the other characters just don't. And I think my biggest issue falls on the fact that the lead actor was just so terrible that it kind of pulled me out of a lot of the film. Yeah, um, Charlie Hunnam is. I gotta tell you, if there's, if, you know, you're doing something wrong when I want Channing Tatum to be taking over your part.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he's i I'm sure he's a fine actor on Sons of Anarchy with Ron Perlman, but um, yeah, he was. That I wouldn't say. I don't know if I, I'd, I'd struggle to say terrible because I didn't react that negatively to his performance, but I think it was probably the weakest performance in the entire film. I would and say
0: it's the weakest performance I've seen in a blockbuster in five years. It's horrible, man. Oh, I had to
1: think about, okay, what was five years ago? 2008? Sam
0: Worthington.
1: Um, yeah, Sam Worthington in Terminator. Sam um, Worthington in Avatar. Uh, no, I think his Terminator performance was much worse.
0: Yeah, he, he, I mean, that's a Sam Worthington-level performance, and if you can um, say that, that's bad yeah. news, man. I mean... He, he has a
1: – I'll give Charlie Hunnam this. He has a voice that you could take almost any line he said in that movie and put it over a trailer because he definitely has a trailer voice, but he doesn't have a very – or at least for that role, it wasn't a very good acting voice, I guess.
0: Hey, he sticks out like a sore thumb, man. And, you know, he get Idris Elba and uh, – no, I did
1: enjoy uh, watching Charlie Hunnam,
0: but I did not enjoy <laughs> listening to him. Right. Well, and and that's and that's and that's a part of – the other part of the problem for me is – the fact that you know, it's more the superficial things related to the characters that, that try to make them exist rather than any sort of compelling story points. So the, there's this idea that these characters have to connect via the drift, right? right? But we don't learn enough about any of these characters to make them believable enough to make you think, man, do they have anything to connect about at all? Um, I, I sat there watching, uh, the movie and I was thinking to myself, wow, this is the most forced like love story I've ever seen in a movie. Well, and it's a,
1: almost a faux love story because you never get the sense at the very end of the movie that they're a couple. So, right. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Talking about the drift, uh, it was an idea that when it was brought up at the very beginning of the movie, I was very intrigued by because I was just kind of like, because he establishes in his opening narration, like it was some kind of a, surprised that him and his brother were drift compatible. Mm-hmm. And so I was kinda of just like, Oh well, what's the like testing to make sure somebody is drift compatible if somebody's like, it's some kind of psychological thing? What is it? And then we find out that it's apparently you just hit somebody with a stick and <laughs> you find out that you're able to pilot a giant robot together because you hit sticks together well enough, I guess. That 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 was something uh I think a comment you made was they didn't expand on enough stuff that was very interesting about this world. And I think figuring out how people are drift compatible is one they probably should have spent a little bit more time on since it was so integral to this plot.
0: That was the first thing. One of the guys that came to the movie with us said, uh, we were heading back to the car. He's like, why didn't they do mental testing before they Google right. inside the, it's Like, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah they're physically <laughs> compatible. And we know that they're, we know from the way, from the dialogue she has that she knows how to pilot one of these things. Okay. But how do we know that they're mentally compatible? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's 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 definitely an issue. That that was one of the biggest problems that just sat with us. For for me, another problem is that um, they do they have all this buildup to. I think it's is it Mako is her name. Yes, mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, I can remember. And this is another problem. I can only remember like two character Wikipedia names. Up, so. <laughs> What's that? I've
1: got the Wikipedia article pulled up. So <laughs> right. that's
0: right. These characters are so unmemorable. I can't remember their names. Um, right. and and that's that's that's, that's not good but um when mako she the there's this build up to why she can't be inside a a, a jaeger um and right. so we finally get to the point where okay, she gets inside the Jaeger and she has this struggle and there's the one scene in the movie that I absolutely love is when they go in when she goes inside the drift and she gets lost inside the drift and there's a mm-hmm. couple of reasons why I love that scene. Um, I will tell you when I first saw the movie, I didn't love that scene because I thought it stuck out really badly as a, as a time marker because it didn't work within the flow of the movie. And that's a problem with the movie itself, not with the scene as it turns out. Uh, it turns out the movie is just flawed. The scene itself is perfect. And I love that scene where she's a young child walking around in, in – uh, in, uh, I don't remember if it Tokyo or wherever she is. I can't remember if she was in Hong Kong or what it was. But she's walking around with that shoe – and you know crying for her mother and this monster is chasing after her Mm -hmm. and i mean hannah pointed out to me it's like that added a sense of uh menace to these monsters that we just never saw
1: it's the only scene in the movie i mean and this is a movie where these monsters i mean it's not like the robots just show up and just kick ass i mean they they struggle against these monsters and we see from the beginning of the movie i mean it's a terrifying scene when that monster tears open the robot at the beginning and grabs his brother uh spoilers i guess but um I haven't really, I was thinking about that this morning. I don't know how you can really spoil much of this movie and still ruin the experience. Right. Exactly. But um, uh, I, I think even though the monsters were a threat to the Jaegers, um, I think that is really the only scene where the monsters actually felt
0: like a threat to me as, a, as an audience member. Sure, sure. Um, and that's I think that's problematic a little bit because we should be uh, these monsters sh- should be fearful things. And I think it also speaks to the problem of design of these monsters. The designs really? look a little lazy. you have a problem
1: with the way they designed? Really? Yeah,
0: I think they look a little lazy. Uh, Do you think that because del Toro is behind it, or what? Uh, perhaps. I'm used to del Toro being a little more creative. And looking at these particular monsters, and it was pointed out to me uh, on another podcast, and I didn't even think about it, but all these different categories and stuff, you have this intricately designed system of category one, two, Mm -hmm. three, and when we finally see the monsters, they all kind of look the same. I mean, well, they, all at, they all look at least the same size. Yeah, and that's a that's a problem. I mean, I know Category Five looks bigger, but he looks just like Category Four, but just a little bigger. Yes, say he was
1: underwater, but he was, he, he, I couldn't tell how much
0: bigger he was. That's another problem. There's no um, sense of scale, and it's like until the only time that I recognized an actual sense of scale for these for the Jaegers and the kaiju was that that really cool scene where the Jaeger is dragging the boat behind him. And mm-hmm. hit him in the face that's the mm-hmm. time i think oh wait i finally <laughs> get how big these things are because right. they're out on the sea the whole time and it's raining right. and it's dark and and well, I, see, I didn't have as much of a problem with the
1: nighttime as you and a lot of other people i've seen have
0: yeah i i had a lot of issues with it because i couldn't tell what was going on i mean uh, at... i think there are some scenes yeah where the cgi becomes a
1: bit too much um uh, when the Jaegers and kaiju are separate, and like when they're fighting, but you can still tell who's who. But it's usually whenever one grabs another one that's when they become a very confusing mess. I thought visually. Um, I mean, it could have been because of the 3D, but I really don't think it was. I think it was just the CGI. But other than those small moments, I thought they were fantastically choreographed scenes, and I think I was. I think they looked great when they. For, except for those small scenes where they mesh together and it looked like a bit of a mess.
0: Yeah, and it's just that we as an audience don't have anything to latch on to other than, oh, okay, this is, uh, this is big action. But mm-hmm. I need to feel the people that are inside it. And we didn't get yep. enough reaction shots from inside the Jaegers uh, the mm-hmm. to understand, you know, okay, this is the struggle that they're undergoing. And yeah, I
1: where, think that opening scene establishes that pretty well, but it's not something we ever came back to.
0: Right, and and a cartoon like Neon Genesis, um, that I, I, which is an excellent series, by the way. I haven't seen it in years and years and years. But it, that gives you a better picture of the uh, physical and psychological toll that machines like that take mm-hmm. on to its uh, users.
1: I mean, and, we have some people getting their arms hurt and stuff like that, but there's nothing ever... In the scene itself, I really think that opening scene is the only one where we see that struggle, kind of like what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Which is kind of
1: sad when Power Rangers showed more effectively how bad it is being inside a giant robot than this movie did.
0: Yeah, and I and I, and I have issues too, and and, and this is where I, the point I was going to make, um, you know, five minutes ago in regard to <laughs> Mako, and I just started jumping Mako. I just started jumping around, but Mako, we get to the point where she you know, she almost uh, destroys everything. And right. then she just kind of drops off a little bit, mm-hmm. and in, in, well, the
1: plot drops off a bit after that.
0: In, in favor of the the Charlie Hunnam's character, is it Raleigh? Is that his name? Yes, okay. mm-hmm. Raleigh. I remember that, but that's because I've heard the name a bunch recently. Well, um, the, the, both of their plots drop off in the last act of that
1: movie. Right. In favor of more robots
0: Um, and monsters in
1: in favor. Well, not even that in favor of Idris Elba and the uh, other Australian guy. Oh, oh, and the Um, scientists. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, the scientists I was fine with, I mean, they were goofy, but I was fine with it. They stole every single scene they were in. Right. Um, And we can talk about them in a second, but I really think that whole last act is just the monsters and the robots and then Idris Elba. Yeah. And it's, which is fine if that's what your first two acts were built on. Yeah. But your first two acts were built on Charlie Hunnam's character, and then Mako's character, and then they were just—I mean, it was—they were barely there. If I didn't see Gypsy Danger in the background, I would have thought they were just
0: sitting back at the base having a coffee or something. Right. I mean, how much more ballsy would this film have been had they made Rico Kincucci, uh, you know, uh, Mako's? Uh, actress and they made her the real star of this movie how awesome would it have been to have a female protagonist that Mm -hmm. is the person that destroys these damn monsters I would have loved that and they, it is a step forward that it's an, an interracial relationship. I'll give them that. Sure, sure, and that's fine. I mean, I I I, appre- I can appreciate that. There's there's a lot that I can appreciate about mm-hmm. Pacific Rim in conception. It's the execution that I have a problem with. I, I look at a film like Pacific Rim and I see really cool stuff on the fringes like we talked about the drift um, it, it is it is a, a, uh, it is
1: a movie that is in a world that is much more interesting than the movie itself
0: yeah 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 the world building is awesome and when I find the stuff that's on the fringes to be more interesting than the main storyline, I think that's problematic there's there's um I mean there there are little elements like and I mentioned in my review they mentioned the uh, people that worship. The mm-hmm. uh, pieces of Kaiju <laughs> there, there are like the dead Kaiju bodies and stuff mm-hmm. and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I'd like to learn more about that or in the beginning they have this whole collect uh, collection of videos and news yep. real footage and people that are like that are like making Kaiju's like toys and stuff mm mm-hmm. That's kind you of interesting to see, uh, too. Obama for about six seconds. So. <laughs> right. I mean, there's there's stuff going on at that beginning that I was yeah. like, man, you could make a whole movie out of some of this. And I can appreciate the fact that they skip straight to the action and put us straight in that world. But the story they're telling is not that interesting. And I don't know if it's because of the thinly drawn characters. I mean, it, it, to call them characters is really loose. I mean, they're more mm-hmm. like archetypes of something we've seen. In well, every they, they're archetypes effort.
1: because. I, and we can touch on this more later but i think this is a movie that
0: is ultimately a love letter to its genre and i think that's why those characters are archetypes i was half expecting that australian guy at the end and i'm sorry for spoilers guys i'm just i'm just into <laughs> it sorry don't don't listen but I,
1: I think they should be used to it by now yeah here. and
0: like i said any
1: spoilers on this movie are not going to ruin your experience of that movie at all.
0: Right. Well, I was half expecting that Australian guy that was his rival to slow clap at the end, you know, <laughs> 80s style when he was, uh, I thought to he, slow clap right there for that point. So. <laughs> right. And I mean, I just, that, that was basically the role that dude fulfilled. You know, he was like <laughs> yeah. the, the all-star job. And, um, I I just, honestly... I will say, though, he was in the coolest robot out of all of them. Oh, what? Was that was Striker? Is that, that that's the one he was I in? Whatever
1: the Australian one was. That yeah. one was the coolest one for me. I like Gypsy Danger, but that one was the coolest
0: one. Well, that was the main... Gypsy Danger was the main one, but... I just, you know, honestly, man, it is a film that I... I they said that... It's been said in reviews that Pacific Rim is sort of like the third part of a trilogy we never we've never seen... And I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, yeah, I just just skipping ahead to like all, uh, to straight to this part of the action where they defeat right. these things or whatever. And I kind of – I was telling Hannah, I was like, there's a part of me that kind of wishes we had seen the first movie instead because maybe that would have been a little more interesting to me. Gotten a prequel or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, gotten – I mean, sure, I could read – Well, apparently comics. there was a prequel comic, which I haven't read, but apparently, apparently there was one. Yeah, like, you know, prequel comics I, – I tried that shit with Star Trek. Sorry, I'm not <laughs> doing it again. I, and I don't think it should be necessary to have to read a damn comic to, under, to feel like right. you got a full story. I will say, though, that – and maybe it's just the concept of this movie and the world that it's in.
1: Even though the plot is not as great as it could have been, it was a plot that I – watching it, I was like, well, this kind of feels like – if I didn't know it was a quote-unquote original idea, it feels like the
0: first one or two trades of, like, a comic book to me. Sure, sure. But I think original is really, really loose, though, Um, man. My biggest problems with the
1: story were that uh, it wasn't even the characters. I was fine with that. Once I could – grasp that this was going to be a love letter to the monster movie genre, I was fine with the, the characters to an extent. Uh, Charlie Hunnam's acting aside, I was fine with the characters being archetypes. Um, it was... There are two things in this movie that were established we're a good 10-15 years into this crisis. Um, and there's... There's two things in this movie that I'm just kind of like, we've taken this long to think of doing these two things. Uh, One of them is drifting with a kaiju brain. Even though many characters admit it's a dumb idea, I'm really like, he's the first, Charlie Day's character is the first one to think of doing this. And then the second being, this is the first time we've ever thought of dropping a bomb on the
0: portal. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they they could they've never been able to get a bomb into the portal. I thought they said they had done that. Right. They said they tried it, but when,
1: before they had that line of dialogue, I was like, really? This when they revealed that's what the plan was. I was like, this is the first time they've
0: thought of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it the, the story's absurd, man. I mean, to, to it has honest, to be a little bit. <laughs> I mean, well, sure it does, but there it also has to be at least compelling enough to make Ooh. you interested in it. And the fact that I could call every beat before it happened. I, I had an issue with that too. I, I don't. I don't like my action movies to be that predictable. A little predictability is fine, but I don't know. We're 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 in the post Inception age. You know, we should have creative, original ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I realize that this is a not uh, a, 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 a a a currently existing IP or a pre-existing IP. Right. Right. But this is still pretty much cribbed from every you know oh, yeah. big robot well, it's anime like
1: the comparison I think that was most apt to it is like somebody said Kill Bill was Tarantino's love letter to that genre. Yeah. Uh, obviously it was much more well executed than this film, but, um, I think Pacific Rim is very much so Guillermo del Toro's love letter to Godzilla and to Mothra and to even King Kong probably. And then to whatever anime he got the robots from. But I, I think it's just a love letter to that genre. And it's just an amalgamation of the things that make that genre great. Um, Unfortunately, when you go to make a movie like that, you're not going to make a movie that has a ton of lasting presence in people's memories. Right. Um, Because it's not going to... I mean, the action is great. If you're going into this movie looking for big, explosive actions with destruction that surpasses even the scale of Man of Steel, you're not going to be disappointed in this movie at all. And let's face it, most of the people that are going to go see this movie, the few of them that there are... They're, gonna, they're going in there looking for action with monsters and robots. But I don't think this movie does a ton of things, if anything at all, that makes me go, oh, that was very innovative. It was more just like, oh, yeah, I love these types of movies.
0: And, and that's a fair point, Shane. I just have to be honest with you, man. I think that there are a lot of free passes being given out right now. I agree. To Guillermo del Toro. I agree. I, I think if Zack Snyder had directed this exact same movie, the knives would be out. And I agree. People with if, the if him and
1: Del Toro had switched places on Man of Steel, in this, I
0: agree. Yep. I mean, I think that the quality of these films, um, you know, they they're not equal <laughs> because I think Man of Steel is a much better movie. <laughs> I agree. I liked Man of Steel more,
2: <laughs>
0: but I
1: just I just think that I think this would be in my top ten for the summer, maybe even my top five. I know it wouldn't yours, but. Uh, no, it was not better than Man of Steel or
0: Iron Man. No, so. hell no. Yeah, on, on neither level. And, and I feel like a big, a big comic book nerd when somebody asks me, well, what are your two favorite movies of the summer? And I'm <laughs> say, Man of Steel and Iron Man 3. I feel like, a, right. you know, but it's true. I think they're the best executed mm-hmm. movies of the bunch. I mean, yep. especially now. Star Trek could have been. <laughs> especially when we see how dark all of these movies have been since Iron Man 3. Isn't it funny to think that Iron Man 3 is like the most positive of these films that it doesn't have like a dystopia that surrounds mm-hmm. it. It's like, it's got like a, um, there's hope attached to Iron Man 3 that doesn't exist. in even in Man of Steel, I mean, it's, it's still a dark, you know, kind of yep. somber movie. And, uh, that's, well, and it's very weird that we're saying this about
1: a movie. That's the third in a superhero <laughs> right. series. Well, that's it's usually right. when the superhero series
0: is supposed to turn bad and everyone acts like it never existed. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's just funny now in retrospect to think that I, I never thought that would be the case, but, uh, especially when in a year where we get, you know, a Superman movie and a Star Trek movie that, um, you know the Iron Man movie is going to be the one that I'm thinking. Man, that's that's might be the uh, most uh, most compelling to continue to watch, but or at least was, easiest um, to watch.
1: Yeah, it was. It's been a very lackluster summer.
0: Horrible, horrible. Let's not let's not mince words. Um, horrible.
1: And it, I, it might be. I'd have to think, but it it might be the worst summer in at least six
0: years. It's it's it is darn bad.
1: Since 2007, bad. probably. It 2007 is, was when. I think the best movie that came out summer of 2007, because that was Spider-Man 3 and Transformers
0: summer. That was a bad summer, too. I, I think the best movie that came out that summer was Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. That was a terrible summer. I, and I got to tell you, man, this summer... I don't know yet, I haven't quite thought this through, but Pacific Rim is definitely down there in the, the bottom for me. I mean, it's it's it may not be as bad as World War Z. But Mind, we did <laughs> not see Grown Ups too, so we can't officially say that. But in the, in the blockbuster realm. In the blockbuster <laughs> action realm. I, I can agree. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't count country. I didn't see World War Z, but I can agree. Yeah, I mean, comedies are a whole other, uh, you know, bag. Like, even This is the End doesn't really count amongst uh, the blockbuster action thing, but... Well, that poor thing was released the same day as Man of Steel, so it had no hope anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I I like that movie okay, by the way, but... um, Yeah, I I was lukewarm to it. But... It's you know it's it, it does not compare well even to like Star Trek Into Darkness for me in a way which is it which is really um, hard to say because I hated Star Trek Into Darkness.
1: Both of them have action that I was very entertained by. Um, I think I was disappointed in less of Pacific Rim than I was in Star Trek. Um, it's hard for me to say which one I liked more because both of them do things that are great and both of them do things that kind of make me scratch my head.
0: Yeah, I mean, I with with. Um... With Star Trek Into Darkness, there is, it's like the whole second half is just idiotic. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately, with Pacific Grim I feel like the entire script is rotten. And that's where I have major issues, because at least Star Trek Into Darkness had compelling character moments for Spock and Kirk. For me, and I'm just talking about my opinion only, obviously. But, but I
1: think, uh, I, I don't know if that's entirely fair, just because uh, Kirk and Spock have been around for... Uh, 40 years
0: now. Of course, there is backstory that already exists. 40,
1: 50 That's years. Really true. So That's a fair point. I, I think, uh, especially for a viewer such as yourself, you're already bringing in a lot of things, not even just from the 2009 film, onto those characters.
0: Right. You're, you're absolutely right. And maybe the fact that uh, <laughs> at least Pacific Rim doesn't outright crib well, actually, it does crib from other source material, but it doesn't crib from another it's because it's movie. Because that well, <laughs> that's true. It's not. A, it's not an outright remake of anything in general. Yeah. It's, yeah um. Absolutely.
1: It borrows. It takes just a kind of pieces that
0: del toro loves a, bo- a bunch of different movies it does borrow some scenes directly uh, let's just let's go ahead and call a spade a spade uh, yeah, there. there's
1: there's there's a scene in particular that made me want a rodan remake <laughs> I'll, I'll say that much
0: yeah oh with the with the thing sprouts wings or whatever i mean
1: oh my gosh i thought i was gonna have to change my pants when i saw that because i was expecting that thing to be dead and then it's wings sprout <laughs> um there
0: there's there's some beautiful art direction in that movie yeah. and, I, and i like that a lot I wish more of the movie the problem is I wish the direction of the movie had been different. Um, I think yeah. that, I think a more, a more interesting compelling movie in the Blade Runner um, Star Wars tradition could have been made which I know is a weird couple yeah. of things to compare but big world expansive exploring the world It has that it has that big world it just doesn't explore it as well as it could have. Right, all we explore is the damn shatter dome or whatever the hell it's called. I mean mm-hmm. every, every scene takes place, you know, in the resistance and I mean it's just we're stuck with characters that no one that I personally didn't give a shit about. So that for that's Ron Perlman. That's Ron Perlman. <laughs> Ron Perlman and Charlie Day were the only
1: ones I cared about. Oh, I couldn't stand Charlie
0: Day either in that movie. To be honest with you, Charlie <laughs> him Day. Him and is, his J.J. Abrams look in that movie. Charlie Day and Burn Gorman were awful. Oh, movie. I liked him. Oh God, <laughs> Burn Gorman was a cartoon character. Was, <laughs> he
1: was, I, but I liked it.
0: Just, I mean, that's and that's fine. I mean, I just when Independence Day has better characters than (laughs) uh, Pacific Rim, there's an issue. I mean, that's, we know you're not a fan of that movie. (laughs) I don't like Independence Day, but at least I can identify care individual characters from that movie. I think um, when you look at the box office performance from last night too, it's there's, there's certainly some things that uh, at least give us a little pause and, I will say, I, while I did not like Pacific Rim, I certainly did not want to see it do worse than Grown Ups 2. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't think that's something anybody should be shocked
1: by. I, yeah. I, I know I was a little um, rough on Twitter when I said this, but I still stand by it, that if you are honestly shocked that a movie, a comedy movie that made a lot of money, that its sequel with very recognizable names is making more money than a movie with no names... um. You must have been born yesterday.
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that Warner Brothers put a $200 million movie on Charlie Hunnam is a problem. I think they should have cast that role more accordingly. I don't know if that meant Channing Tatum or if that means. I think a bigger name could have helped it. A bigger name than that. I mean, I um, think. I mean, people so recognize. Fun.
1: I think there are people that could recognize Idris Elba's face, but they don't know who he is. And they would have recognized Byrne um, Gorman from Dark Knight Rises.
0: Yeah. But they wouldn't know his name. Right. And that, that, um, that's literally – no, I believe ain't – the Sons of Anarchy crowd ain't showing right. up for Charlie Hunnam. Um, well, my brother did. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, my brother's a big fan of that show. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so, I mean, they could have they, – I mean, uh, even somebody like uh, Chris Hemsworth would have been a better Dude, choice. He's busy. <laughs> well, of course he's busy, but I'm just saying – somebody like him a more recognizable name yep. a bigger face it could have been a but it didn't have to be somebody already
1: well it's it's tough saying Channing Tatum's established right. but he is um somebody more established than or less established than Channing Tatum but somebody at least everybody knows
0: right um nobody
1: knows who Charlie Hunnam is yeah and sadly this is not going to be the movie
0: that changes that and um, Warner Brothers marketing strategy was a joke, man. They, yeah. they, they advertised this thing for geeks by geeks.
1: And well, and it was a joke leading up until the movie started in the theater, because I got to tell you, I know they want to save some stuff for Comic-Con, but Warner Brothers and legendary are nuts for not putting a Godzilla teaser with
0: this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Just, that seems like an utterly, uh, that is the most obvious choice you could make. <laughs> so so both companies are putting out those movies they, yeah or, they're both
1: cut, yeah warner brothers and legendary are doing godzilla and they didn't put a trailer with pacific rim
0: oh i'm, I'm surprised then uh that morons that, 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 that i'd be surprised if there's not like crossover at some
1: point
0: <laughs> i don't know about a crossover but good lord you're
1: people are there to see giant monsters and you're not going to sell your big giant monster tent pole movie for next summer
0: you're yeah. stupid for not doing that. I know, I know. Um, I mean,
1: all you had to do was show Godzilla walking around town and breathe fire. It could have been a 30-second trailer, for all I cared. Yeah. At least let people know a Godzilla movie's coming out. Maybe its foreign box office will help it. Uh, I agree. I think I think that movie's going to explode overseas.
0: Especially, <laughs> there was a joke made in one review that Pacific Rim is the first movie that uh, is title, its title reflects more its intended audience than its actual yep. film content. <laughs> I'd agree. And that's probably true. It's probably going to do very well in Japan oh, it's gonna, in China. oh, yeah. Japan, China,
1: all those countries that eat up 3D movies, it's going to just do boatloads of money.
0: Yep. Yep. I, I will say this, though. I never, never want to hear about the destruction in Man of Steel ever again. <laughs> ever I again. I don't care if you your nerd director god made that movie or not that movie has just as much destruction as man of steel if not more so so uh um,
1: we, we can only hope that uh the movie gear judging by his rate right now the movie gear Toro makes in five years from now will be
0: as good or be better than this well what, what's what's his next movie on tab i don't
1: even remember. god that guy promises so many movies and then only one of them gets made like Everyone is making such a big deal because that rumor came... Or not really rumor, but that quote from Del Toro saying that he wants to make a Slaughterhouse-Five movie came out. Oh,
0: right, right.
1: And everybody was so excited. And forgetting that he has announced Pinocchio, From the Mountains of Madness, um, Justice League Dark. Yeah, yeah. um, Haunted Mansion. uh, A third Hellboy movie. Um, This guy... This guy attaches himself to a bunch of things and then never goes through with them. Pacific Rim is his first movie since 2008.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got significant issues with um, with, with over over uh, guaranteeing himself to other projects, and I don't know if it's because he's flaky when he drops out of them or if he has studio issues. I know Mountains of Madness there were studio problems, yeah, but. I, he just kind of comes into something, drops out of something. Like The Hobbit was a whole big. I think couple. he's he's the kind of director. He's
1: a great director to wheel out to Comic Con and get people pumped about his movies,
0: but he is not great about getting them churned out. Yeah, now fair enough. So uh, let, let's wrap this up. Um, yeah, my grade's already online. So what what would you what grade would you give this, Shane? I give it a B. Fair enough. All right, solid B, huh?
1: I'll yeah, I'll give it a B, and I will go ahead and say that nobody should be shocked at it's uh i'm not going to say it's going to do terrible at the box office but it's don't be shocked when grown-ups 2 does better yeah and don't be shocked when godzilla does better next year
0: yeah yeah that oh that i think that's that's almost a guarantee then again the last time we has we saw a godzilla movie it bombed so
1: <laughs> name recognition name recognition is going to do better than concept
0: yeah so. sure Sure. Um, okay, so another thing I wanted to chat about really fast before we get to uh, our very long news section. Yeah, this um, is going to be a very extended episode. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I got a chance to see Beware the Batman on mm-hmm. Cartoon Network this morning, and you know I think there had been some people that had been a little nervous about that series. I guess because of its. That's
1: a fair... Assumption.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it, it's a it's a different take on Batman, a little bit. Um, like I wouldn't have a problem with the design if the
1: creators hadn't been all like, "Oh, we're not doing any of his major rogues gallery."
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a different different take on that area of the mythos. Um, you know, it's it's CG. It looks it, it but it looks like slightly better CG than that Green Lantern in the animated series, which I, I thought was. Mm-hmm. Kind of dreadful in parts, mm-hmm. um, though people there's some people that'll kill me for that. I was about
1: to say I know some people are very attached to that show. Ugh,
0: no, sorry, I, I just thought that was a lot of lost promise there. But um, th- a couple different things ha- appear in the first episode, and one of the most noticeable parts is one that it's a younger, darker Batman, obviously, with that, which is a bit of a takeoff uh, or at least a, a departure. From the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon, which was the thing that uh, most recently aired, which I mm-hmm. loved, by the way. So it's a little darker. He's a younger Batman, and I guess it's sort of Batman in his first year. Is he brand, I was about to say, is he brand new as Batman? I think so. I think this is like a year one, year two kind of Batman. Um, he, he's very much in that Batman Earth One tradition, kind of a hothead a little bit. And his Alfred is a lot like the Batman of Earth One. That's what I've heard. Uh, where he's he's a former MI6 agent. He's bald. He doesn't have any facial hair. Um, he, he really reminds me of a mix of, like, Daniel Craig and Jason Statham. And it's kind of a cool take, actually. It sounds horrible, I realize. <laughs> but when you watch it, you're thinking, man, this is this almost replaces the need for Robin in a way. If, uh, hmm. if Alfred is this awesome. And... You know, the, the rogues that they show in the first episode are uh, Professor Pig and uh, Mister Toad, and uh, those are both rogues that Grant Morrison created during his uh, run on Batman and Robin, which is a run I love, by the way. But it, they're really kind of kind of awesomely designed, and it, it it's a, it's a neat take on those two characters. Uh, P- Toad is sort of the uh, the sidekick of Professor Pig, and they have this whole scheme that they're pulling. And they 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 incorporate some of the greater DC universe in the series as well, huh. at least so far, because one of the guys they try to kidnap is Michael Holt, who, you know, becomes Mr. Terrific eventually. And uh, they also kidnap Simon Stagg, who is involved in the creation of uh, Metamorpho. So there's, there's some really cool winks and nudges, and they introduce Katana uh, by the end, who's, uh, who's going to be... Uh, I guess he's like Bruce's limousine driver, but, uh, she's also going to eventually be a sidekick at some point when he's she's going the
1: Catwoman of the show.
0: Cat, um, more like the Robin of this show. I think, I don't think there's going to be a Robin. I just think there's going to be Batman and Katana. So first episode, I really dug, I thought it was a, you know, a huge step forward from green lantern and it had, it had just enough story to keep me going. And, uh, we'll see what, what happens next. I mean, they, they they got a bunch more villains that are going to debut. The only real, real familiar one to most audiences is going to be Ra's al Ghul. But there's, uh, you know, they're going to have like Magpie and a bunch of other villains that uh, Anarchy... I think Anarchy is going to be the main villain of the series. Well, Anarchy is about to be in Arkham Origins, so maybe that will be familiar to some people. <laughs> exactly. So... I'm, I'm excited to see what next week is like. I, I was I was really trepidatious about the whole thing, but now that I've seen at least sort of their idea and execution, I'm, I'm willing to give it a few more episodes and see where it goes. I, well, I like that they're doing
1: villains that aren't as familiar to people. Because, I mean, Batman has probably the best rogues gallery out of any superhero. And it has it's a rogues gallery that you could ask somebody who's never read a comic book and they can name at least three Batman villains. Um, and so I like that they're focusing on characters that aren't as familiar and characters that are also more recent in the comics, but I, I think it's a mistake. You can't do Batman without doing the Joker and my, the
0: Two-Face fan in me is wanting to be very snobbish about this show because Two-Face is not in it. Right. (laughs) Um, it's, I can understand that, that, that sometimes the attraction, in regard to uh, Batman, is his um, is his. Release. I think that's what is the attraction. I mean,
1: I mean there are this things song. about Batman's characters that are great, but anytime a new design of Batman comes out, I want to see what the design for his villains are going to be.
0: Sure, sure. I I will say Anthony Ruvivar Ruivar is a is a really good Batman. I love that's his good. Batman voice, and um, I I don't know. They, they haven't introduced Commissioner Gordon yet, but I think the um. I mean, this is going to be a series that has Humpty Dumpty in it. And Tobias Whale. (laughs) Now you're just making me mad that Two-Face isn't in it. No, but they're introduced. I mean, I think this could be like the opportunity. At least have Harvey Dent show up. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, if if it does well, then maybe, you know, there'll be another season and they'll bring in some more, you know, the bigger villains. But, you know, I don't mind if the villains... If they if they if they, if they reinvent some of these lesser villains and make them
1: looking at a uh, looking at Wikipedia for it, uh, Kurtwood Smith, who is uh, the dad from that '70s show and also the villain in RoboCop, is doing.
0: Uh, commissioner gordon's yeah choice. oh yeah i mean it, it, this could be a, a very very good series so um it, it's just it's just nice to see a take that is not a repeat of batman the animated series we've seen that already so let's do That's something true. different i, but I those I, are very big shoes to fill right well i mean but it's just that same that same criticism i have of any potential reboot of batman Reinvent, yep. if you're going to redo. Yep. I mean, that's I the problem I have with Amazing Spider-Man, is that it's not. It's, it's just a redo, period, uh, without well, doing much got, reinvention. It's got some
1: more pages from uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, but
0: yeah. I, I want a totally new take, is what I'm saying. And this is a totally new take so far. So I'm into it, man. It's good. Yeah. It's good. All right, so uh, how about...
1: Uh, uh, it? A little... Is uh, <laughs> I will say, in terms of animated series, I checked out last weekend an episode of that Avengers Assemble cartoon and that is all I want to say about that because that was oh really? <laughs> oh, is it bad? <laughs> it couldn't it can't decide if it wants to be in the movie of in the
0: universe of the movies or if it wants to be in its own universe. Oh, really? Yeah. So like what what parts of the movies does it does it bring in?
1: Oh god. Uh the character design um and costume design uh, Avengers Tower looks exactly like that Stark Tower from Avengers. Oh, um, wow, okay. That's all I saw so far, but I think that's enough. It's enough to wheel people in who have not seen an Avengers cartoon, maybe just came off the Avengers and want to watch it, but it's not enough to keep me
0: watching. Wow. Okay. No, fair enough. I I have no interest in watching it. I mean, mainly because I'm just Marvel cartoons are not my not my bag usually. I tried (laughs) to watch.
1: Spectacular Spider Man is the only one worth watching. I watched uh,
0: Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, but, uh, you know, it's hard to even get past that theme music, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It just has a wonderful theme song. <laughs> oh, but... Yeah, the less said about that, the better. Okay, okay, so, anyway, time for news! Oh. Um,
1: if you had not... If I if I didn't know this week was Comic-Con... if If I didn't know this week was not Comic-Con, I would have thought it was from the amount of news that came out this week. Um... It was a big week, because normally the week before Comic-Con is supposed to be slow. Yeah, totally. But we got a ton of news this week, so let's start off with the biggest thing, which is probably the most recent out of all of these, is that um, an X-Force movie has pretty much been all but announced. Um, We know that domain names were bought by 20th Century Fox for X-Force, the movie, and then we found out that uh, Jeff Wadlow, who is doing Days of Future Past, I think he wrote it he wrote Days of Future Past, is going to... Or no, he's doing Kick-Ass, is what he's doing. He's doing Kick-Ass 2. He wrote, and I think he might have directed it, and he's going to be writing and possibly directing X-Force. And everyone believes that X-Force is possibly the first in a larger, expanded X-Men universe that 20th Century Fox is going to announce at Comic-Con. We're going to hope that there's more, because it's going to be rather dull if X-Force is all they bring with them, and we already know what's happening. But... What is your kind of react
0: what was your reaction when you saw that there was going to be an X-Force movie? I figured that uh, not in my wildest nightmares would there ever be an X-Force movie. But, oh, so you're dreading it. Um it depends on the take. I mean, I think the idea behind an X-Force movie could be attractive depending on which way they go. I think mm-hmm. the temptation for most studios would be to say, oh, yeah, let's do that cable, extreme, you know, multiple <laughs> pockets X-Force, you know. Nobody,
1: we can't show anybody's feet.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I think that the Rob Liefeld X-Force is sort of their, would be their their, their most uh, likely direction. But
1: well, apparently I, it is, because R- Liefeld's the one who broke the news um, after the uh, domain name thing had been found. I was the one that took to Twitter and said, oh, yeah, we've been discussing this for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that's that, – I would fear that.
1: But yeah. uh, on the other hand – Well, he's not writing it, so it could be
0: – No, uh, but, but what I'm saying is that there have been two wonderful takes on X-Force and that concept uh, in the past you know, decade. Mm-hmm. And if you ever get a chance, um, Mike Allred and Peter Milligan did a wonderful run on X-Force that became Ecstatics. And that was more of like a pop art, almost parody of X-Force. And it, it really kind of gauged in on things like reality TV and really sort of persuaged a lot of that, uh, you know, the obsession with reality TV and celebrity that we have now. I mean I know just,
1: that uh I know Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force is also one. Yeah, that's the other one.
0: I mean that's the other the other good X-Force run and that's more of a cyberpunk black ops X-Force. That's also very good. It's not as good as Ecstatics, which I think is one of the greatest X-Men comics ever made. Um but it is I will say of the past 10 years that's another great run. Remender's run I've been reading it. I'm almost done with it now. Uh, but it's got a terrific apocalypse arc. And if they were to go mm-hmm. in that direction, utilizing, you know, Wolverine and Deadpool. Oh, if we finally get apocalypse, that'd be great with, yeah. with me. So. Well sure, and, and, and that'd be fine if they're if they're heading towards an age of apocalypse kind of thing. But You have no idea how excited I'd be if they come out saying age of apocalypse is gonna happen. I know. Well, it'd be the one way that they could wrestle a little bit of excitement away from Marvel Studios. Is I just don't know
1: that they would do it in Days of Future Past because alternate timelines with X-Men, it is a common thing in the comics, but it would wear thin with audiences very easily.
0: Yeah. How crazy would it be, though, if... Think about this. And this is the thing that, that Marvel... Marvel has uh, in its background is that every future is like this horrible dystopia. It's never – there's never a nice future in Marvel. not for the (laughs) X-Men. But uh, I'll I'll give you an example. When they – in the cartoon, I think it was like Wolverine and the X-Men. When they avert Days of Future Past, it just ends up leading to Age of Apocalypse instead. Which is awesome, and in um, the Uncanny X Force book, which is the Rick Remender version of X Force, right? That's where the a- Age
1: of Apocalypse comics spin out of.
0: Uh, yeah, but when they when they divert the Age of Apocalypse timeline by, uh, kill, I'm sorry, spoilers, guys, but when they kill Apocalypse um, as a child. They just end up creating a world where Deathlock takes over <laughs> and de- and Deathlock everyone becomes a deathlock, <laughs> so it's like Deathlock nation instead so it's it's just like w- there's never a happy ending. It would be kind of cool if Days of Future past was like the first of like a storyline where they avert that future just to end up being stuck in another bad future because of a, the coming of apocalypse you know uh in Sabanur or whatever his name is well for those who Uh, aren't familiar with what X-Force is and why it's not
1: just another team of mutants with X in their title. X-Force is supposed to be the team of the more uh, stronger, uh, more badass members of the X-Men, the ones who are going to do the things that the X-Men just can't handle. Um, Or at least publicly, the X-Men shouldn't be seen doing. So that's the reason I have some predictions for who will probably be in this movie do you have anybody that you would like to see be on the team for an X Force movie? Uh,
0: I mean, it just depends on their take. I'm sure it's probably going to be more Rick Remender based in the end. I think, Possibly I think without
1: Deadpool, maybe.
0: Well, no, I think Deadpool would be absolutely in the film. Uh, I think Deadpool is probably the the main thing for them. So I wouldn't be shocked if it looked if if you saw something like Deadpool, Psylocke, um, Wolverine and i don't know maybe they could pull cable in or somebody like that right. i mean, well you got three of the ones i'm thinking because i'm thinking cable
1: psylocke and wolverine are almost a lock in this
0: oh i think deadpool's a lock uh, I w- um, i'd be surprised i also think this this would be a great time for phantom x yeah who is a tr- tremendous character but i don't know if they'll actually have him or not i mean um, i think I'm domino saying- could show up Oh, please. Oh, <laughs> God. That, that's they need
1: another girl. They need
0: another girl on the team. Uh, sure, that's fine, but... Ugh. Not Domino. <laughs> no. No, no, um, no.
1: i tell you who I'd like to see come back uh, is Nightcrawler. Sure, sure. Because Alan Cumming was great as Nightcrawler, and he has expressed time and again an interest in coming back to that character.
0: Well, there is an Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler that shows yep, up in Run, is. yeah. So <laughs> that's that wouldn't be out of the question, you know, uh, to have that. or Dark Age of Apocalypse,
1: An Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler is more in line with the t- kind of team X Force is.
0: Sure, sure. So,
1: uh, um, just to briefly touch on it, it, if if we're thinking that this is going to be an expanded X X universe that 20th Century Fox is going to announce and. This is assuming X-Force is not the only movie they will be announcing. What are other X-Men teams or books or anything like that you would like to see
0: adapted into a movie? Uh, none. <laughs> <laughs> You're not I mean, an X-Men fan? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, and it's, I mean, considering there's already been, we already have a Wolverine spinoff movie. Yep. There's, there's a, supposedly still a Magneto spinoff movie in development. I, don't, I thought that's what uh, First Class ended up being. I don't know. They, apparently, there's still one out there floating around. I'm not sure what else they could possibly do, but... I think
1: we said um, everything
0: that could be said in First
1: Class as, in terms of his origin.
0: I mean, I just... I don't have a whole hell of a lot of interest in what else they could possibly make. Maybe if... They can make a compelling enough or funny enough Deadpool movie. I might Mm -hmm. be into it if it was like Mm -hmm. a wacky break the fourth wall kind of thing. But they've been talking about that for years and they've never made it. So it's probably not going to happen. I don't know because X-Factor is no attraction to me. Right, because
1: X-Factor originally was just the next X-Men team. Like they got rid of X-Men and it became X-Factor.
0: Right. I mean, if they were gonna do anything else X Men related, like I said, if X Force isn't the Ecstatics team, I'd love you know for them to sort of play with that X-Statics idea. Just because I, I want to see seen. Duke. I just want to see. I just want to see the booger with <laughs> arms. See, uh, he's
1: the guy that I had to Google this morning when you mentioned him on Twitter, because I did not know that's what that thing's name was. Because I've been calling
0: him a potato the entire time I've ever seen him dupe's amazing um there's there's no greater comic book character than dupe um he's he, he doesn't oh. speak english he has his own language he has all kinds of crazy powers <laughs> like you can't even like you can't even like define his powers man he's got superhuman strength the healing factor he can fly he can open up an extra dimensional void i mean it's like he's got uh he's limitless powers and he's like Wolverine's best friend. That's the other thing that's <laughs> awesome about it. <laughs> well, I tell you two X teams that we'll probably never see, but
1: would be worth going into since they're so different: uh, Excalibur and Alpha Flight.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, nobody wants
1: to see Canada's team, but nobody and nobody wants to see Great Britain's team, though. I'd it's more interested in, Exc- in Excalibur than Alpha Flight. I mean. I mean, it would be a better vehicle for Nightcrawler than X Force. So.
0: I know, but there's just. I just don't see how you you know what kind of compelling stories could really be tell told, but I could be wrong. Eh. I mean, I I I think I I I can understand if you stick all the you know the weird time travelly type guys into an X Force film, Mm -hmm. but at what point are you just sort of you know movies aren't like comics you know and. you can't, you can't tell necessarily the same stories over and over right. again, which what comics kind of do uh, with all these different characters. It's like the same story but a little bit of a twist. You have to mm-hmm. get a fully different take on something. And having like an Excalibur – well, how do you keep that just from being British X-Men? And well, that's all it is. I, like, <laughs> I mean, Canadian. all Guardians of the Galaxy is a Space Avengers. So. Right, right, right. But at least that story will you know has the possibility of being completely different. Like it's right. it's outer space. It could be a space opera kind of thing. The, everything in terms of the other X books, they're all earthbound. So there's not enough of a huge like plot difference or I mean unless they they do something to- totally out there that I could see really working. X-Force is sort of the one area that has differentiated itself. T- 20 years ago, I would have said, what the hell? But now, it's differentiated itself so much that you can say, okay, this is the Black Ops team that gets things done. Or this is, the, you know, whatever team it is. Um, I, I just have a hard time imagining what else... I, I, I guess to answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I have no answer. Five minutes later. <laughs> I have no answer, because I just, yeah. I guess I just don't like the X-Men be a thing, but if they if they deal with time travel a lot that's that's a good way to pull me in i will say
1: okay well uh we got a bunch of other news so um another big one in terms of directors um we had flirted with talking about it on the show but we'd never i don't think given our i guess uh must most wanted list and we might have i don't remember because it was something we discussed for many weeks talking about but uh, a lot of people wanted to discuss and predict who would direct the next Bond movie when it seemed like Sam Mendes would not be coming back. Well, that was all pointless because Sam Mendes will be back for the next Bond movie, and it comes out in 2015. And I think you're kind of like me where I think that's probably the best decision they could have made.
0: Yeah, I mean, Skyfall tremendous. So, yeah. I mean, at least from a technical standpoint, maybe not so much a script end. But uh, I think... Having that team in place, a little more comfort around that process is probably going to be very helpful for whatever the sequel is, Um, especially since they've sort of lined up into the classic Bond mold now. So I think that is very, very good. I'm excited about it. I I assume you are too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Skyfall
1: sold me on Daniel Craig as Bond, so I'm excited to see that, and I'm excited to see Ray Fiennes' M.
0: So. Well, and I, that's what I, I was worried that if they picked a new director, that whole team would fall apart. Like they'd lose the right. cinematographer which was that you know that their their greatest the draw. Best thing about the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean Roger Deakins is awesome. So, and then, you know, the composer, uh, who's fine, but, you know, it's all, they all sort of meshed together in like this perfect soup that worked for me that elevated a not so great story. Mm -hmm. And now I'd like to see now that the John Logan's coming back and writing the script on his own without those two other idiots that have been writing (laughs) James Bond scripts for the past 15 years, uh, since, gosh, I think post-GoldenEye they've been writing the James Mm -hmm. Bond movies, Um, and so now that those guys are finally gone, they can, you know, they can create something that's a little more their own and maybe a nice homage to the, uh, to, to the, you know, the 1960s days, the Sean Connery stuff. So I'm excited about it, man. I think that this was the best move and I guess Um, money wins out.
1: (laughs) Right. I don't know how many nods will be in this new movie to the old series because I think the reason Skyfall had so many is because of it being on the 50th anniversary of James Bond. Sure. But I do think they will kind of stick... They've, it set itself up too much to be more like a traditional Bond movie to it, for it to not follow that format somewhat. Well, um, but anyway, um, with these uh, Marvel movies, the Marvel Studios movies that have been coming out, do you watch the uh, one shots they've made, the little short films?
0: I watched the. Uh, I didn't watch the most recent one with um, you know, about the. Item 47 I didn't, or I didn't whatever. Watch that yeah, but I watched the other two. Like I kind of. I watched the one that sort of filled the caps about Hulk. <laughs> right, right. Explained why Robert Downey Jr. showed up in the Hulk. Yeah, which was uh, it tells that tells you uh, at what point that Marvel Studios finally got their continuity straightened out a little bit was when yep. Joss Whedon came in and right around the point of of Thor and Captain America. Uh, but yeah, I watched that one, and I I watched the one with Coulson uh, stopping a uh, was a gasoline store or gas gas station. Right?
1: Yeah, he was trying to choose donuts. That's all I can remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, that, those are the only things that. Uh, that I've watched, but then it's they're, fine. They're, they're fun little movies. Um,
1: I think that one about the Hulk is their probably most important one since that was a good way to straighten out their continuity. Yeah. Um, but we've got one that's coming out which could be just as important, possibly. Uh, it's going to focus on Agent Peggy Carter from Captain America, and they have the actress coming back to play her. Uh, they're going to be screening it at Comic-Con next week, and it will be on the Blu-ray and DVD for Iron Man 3. Um, is this one... That excites you a little bit more than item forty seven or are you do you think you're pr- probably going to skip this one as well
0: um you, it apparently takes place a year after Captain America. did you say haley atwell I'm there yep. <laughs> i i I'm, I'm in love with Haley Atwell, so yes, I am there, <laughs> no matter what man <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan she's a good actress, but I like yep. looking at her <laughs> okay then
1: um. And then she's going to be back in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, as well, but she'll be under a lot of makeup in that movie. Um, right, so uh, we got two big comic book news items that came out, which was even more surprising, considering it's not Comic-Con yet. Uh, One big one is that Marvel Knights is coming back, which was the line for uh, people to write stories that uh, weren't necessarily... They were in their own continuity, the Marvel Knights universe was, but they didn't necessarily have to be beholden to the 616 continuity. Um, They were stories that were more graphic and more intense and just kind of showing a darker take on Marvel's characters. And so we had three Marvel Knights titles announced, and my biggest regret with these is that they're all miniseries. They're all five-issue miniseries. So we have Marvel Knights Spider-Man, which is written by... uh, Kyle's favorite writer, Matt Kent, Heyo. and um, an artist called Marco Rudy, who I've never heard of.
0: Excellent artist, yeah.
1: Um, are both of them on Mind Management? Oh, no, Matt Kent draws Mind Management,
0: so. Um, yeah, Matt Kent. Matt Kent is his, uh Matt. Matt Kent draws and uh, writes Mind Management. What
1: is Marco Rudy known for, then, that you know him?
0: Uh, the most thing, the most, the biggest thing he did was like a was Swamp Thing for a while. Okay. He's uh, real. New 52 Swamp Thing or
2: before? Yeah, New Fifty
0: Two Swamp Thing. And he also did, God, what else did he do? Um, He did some Final Crisis work. Okay. Like, I I think he might have done some fill-in work in the actual Final Crisis series. I'm sure there's something else I'm just totally (laughs) forgetting. But, uh, yeah, he he worked on Final Crisis. And, I mean, he's just just a very talented artist. Just young, young, but Mm -hmm. done, done a lot of good work. Now, I would have guessed that, because
1: it's Marvel Knights, that Spider-Man is going to be about Peter Parker being Spider-Man, and not Dr. Octopus in Peter Parker's body. But then, the description for the second one, uh, Marvel Knights X-Men, makes me wonder if maybe it is going to be in the 616 universe, because it is about uh, Wolverine, Rogue, and Kitty Pride recruiting students for the Jean Grey School, which is what the Xavier School is now. Um, and that one's going to be written by, let's see... This article doesn't tell me who the writer is. Um, do you know off the top of your head who's writing the X-Men one?
0: Uh, it's the guy. Oh, here who, it is. Uh, Brom Revel yeah, and the, Chris Peter. The guy who does gorillas, okay. <laughs> which is uh, about militant gorillas. <laughs> Just and of- then we have, okay.
1: And then we have a uh, Marvel Knights Hulk, which is going to take place in France. And it is written by Joe Keating. And the art is by Peter Piotr. I don't know. I never knew how to pronounce that name. Uh, Kowalski. I'm not familiar with either of those people. Matt Kent's the only name I know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I had some interest in the uh, the Marvel Knights Hulk, and I'm trying to remember why that was. Who's the writer on that again? Uh, Joe Keating. Yeah, Joe Keating. Okay, because he did Glory. That's why. Um, okay. And Glory. Is
1: well, they've released covers for the X Men one and the the Hulk one, and both of them have pretty decent art.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the art looks tremendous all the way around. I mean, the, I think the idea behind this Marvel Knights line is that Marvel is trying to do a a, a more indie take on their characters. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of when DC did solo, which like I think I talked about last podcast or two podcasts ago, which was you know DC giving um, free reign to a number of different artists that uh, may not necessarily have worked for them much, like guys like Paul Pope and, uh, and Howard Chaikin and guys like that. I think Chaikin did one. I can't remember. Maybe not. But <laughs> uh, just, just random people like that, though. They came in and did right. that kind of work. So I think that they're, they're trying to reinvigorate this idea of the Marvel Alliance line, which was more of their street-level characters, and not really quite as hardcore as the Max line, but a little more adult content. I think right. they're trying to turn... Term- right, because Marvel Knights used to be uh, Daredevil,
1: Ghost Rider, Electra, and
0: Punisher. Right, and then some of those guys ended up getting shot over to Marvel Max instead, right. uh, because I guess Ghost Rider and Punisher lend themselves more to...
1: Yeah, Punisher Max and Ghost Rider Max, and then Wolverine even got a Max series.
0: Yeah, so now I think their their aim is to make Marvel Knights more of the uh, just it's just an indie or flavor uh, a right. And Joe Keating and Matt Kent especially are the kind of guys that you can see you know really doing something interesting. I, I can't wait to read that Spider Man series.
1: Yeah, the Spider Man one should be interesting. I want to know more about it because it could potentially be confusing for people who are reading
0: Superior Spider Man. So. I'm gonna check them all out. I mean, it's the first time that I'm just gonna like buy a Marvel book, Sight Unseen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, well, I'm sure uh, they don't come out till
1: October. I think that's when Spider-Man starts. So I'm sure there will be more sights Seen over the next few months. Yep. Yep. It's a good start. Um, so uh, then we had another new comic series announced. Um, we already know Marvel's next big event after Infinity, which is a bit of a groan that they have already announced their next big event, which starts in December, and it is called Inhumanity. And if you're unfamiliar with the uh, more nerdier, more um, less known parts of the Marvel Universe, there's a group of people, or uh, creatures, whatever you want to call them, uh, called the Inhumans. And they're they're led by Black Bolt uh, and his wife Medusa, who is currently on the FF, and then Black Bolt is on the New Avengers. And then they have a dog named Lockjaw, who is currently my Twitter avatar, Um, so even though I'm not a huge Inhumans fan, I do like Lockjaw. He's awesome. But, um, they're, they're getting their own event, uh, which is presumably related to some things happening in Infinity, because I think Black Bolt has some kind of role in Infinity. And, uh, it's getting, the Inhumans are also going to get their own series called Inhuman from none other than Hawkeye writer Matt Fraction. And Fraction's take on this series is going to be about people in the Marvel Universe becoming Inhumans. And so we have this cover that has, like, Cyclops and uh, Iron Man and, I think, Wolverine and Spider-Man and a bunch of people that are apparently going to be getting these new abilities. And then from there, he says it it is going to be a comic that is very heavily inspired by Game of Thrones, being about kingdoms that are at war with each other. So,
0: need we even ask, Kyle, are you excited for this series? Sure, why not? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's Matt Fraction. And he's on a real roll right now. Uh, I think Hawkeye is probably Marvel's best, if not one of its best books. I mean, excuse me, best. It's one of its best, if not its best book. Um, and Daredevil. <laughs> I mean, outside of like Daredevil, but I and would FF- say Thor gives them a run for their money. Oh sure, and FF is also very good, but that's also a Matt Fraction book. So I don't know. It's you know Matt Fraction works better in a little bit more of the quirky side of things. So I'm a little nervous about him going into a straight superhero work. I think his I thought his right. Thor run was very iffy. And his Iron Man I did not like. But yeah. a lot of people did. So it's it's it'll be interesting to see. I I will definitely give it a shot to sort of get an idea of what this game runs mm-hmm. like take is. If it's a little right. too on the nose with that uh, you know, various fighting families and stuff, I might I might have a I might have some trouble with it. But otherwise sure I'll, I'll i'll check it out what the hell
1: yeah um i'm just gonna have to wait because we only have the one bit of artwork and it's a very confusing bit of artwork namely because spider-man's in his red and blue costume again and so i don't know if that's a spoiler or if something's going on with this series so yeah i'm just gonna have to i'm gonna have to wait and see where i am when december rolls around
0: Um uh, yeah absolutely
1: yeah. <laughs> so both of those comics, for me, are kind of just, yeah, I'll, I'll see. I'll wait. Um, then we have kind of switching back gears to more movies and TV. Um, we had pictures, courtesy of Entertainment Weekly, come out that give us a better look at Electro and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, aside from Jamie Foxx making some very weird faces, it's a very interesting take on Electro. And it's one we've kind of had hints at, where we know that he's going to be blue. and But now we've kind of seen more of a taste of what the CGI will be. We have this electricity throwing, flowing through his body. And then the thing everyone was most worried about, because Electro is known for having terrible costumes, we, uh, or at least costumes that would not translate well on screen, we get to see Electro's costume, and it, it's a very downplayed costume, but it's not really a great costume either. It's not as bad as if they did his uh, big yellow lightning bolt mask, but it's not a great costume either. What reactions did you have to seeing this picture?
0: Are these pictures of Electro. I thought he looked like that, that movie Powder. You remember that movie Powder? I've never seen that. <laughs> it's about this guy that's bald, pale, and he has like electric kind of powers or magnet powers or something. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, he looked fine, I guess. We'll see how it is in motion. I'm not crazy. About right, I'm still waiting to see him
1: Shoot electricity out of his hands. I'm not crazy about the so. lightning bolts on his costume. I, yeah.
0: yeah, I think there it, it's
1: too much of a nod to his original costume.
0: Yeah, I had some problems there, but I don't know. I, I guess it, depending on how the CGI looks with it, I mean, right. the, the makeup's fine. It's 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 yeah. it's, it's uh, he looks more interesting in those pictures than he did when he was just painted blue for the film. Yes, scene. Well, I knew I knew it was gonna. Be, I told you it was all gonna be post production because so much of that movie is gonna be
1: post production. So I,
0: I'm still dreading how that Rhino thing is gonna work out, but.
1: <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see if anything comes out next week on that front. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I mean, I, this is still not a movie I'm looking forward to at all. So, uh,
1: yeah, real excited for summer 2014 there on Kyle's end. Uh. <laughs> um. So uh, then we had a very probably the most shocking announcement of this week like even more than X Force is that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's being adapted again um, Fox has tapped it, tapped it to be a uh, pilot that they will they have intentions of putting to series if it does well um, and the way it is worded the way Fox has or, worded this order to pilot makes it seem that we will at least get to see the pilot it, the pilot will at least air in kind of like a Monsters type of fashion where we get to see it, but if it doesn't pick up as a series, that's all we'll see. Um, when I first read this, I was excited, because I love The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I know you do, too. Yep. Yep. So, something that could possibly, a new adaptation would be great. I think TV, uh, I think I think League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is one that could work as movies, and it could work as TV. So, either I'm really fine with. Um, we got that one movie that, it, we're, that's all we're going to say about it. Um, is that it was a movie, but, um, I was excited. It could be a new interpretation of it and anything that gets us anywhere closer to adapting volume two of that comic is fine with me because that is the best, that's some of the best comics I've ever read is volume two of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, but then we got news of who's going to be showrunner on this series and he's also going to be an ex- executive producer and he's also going to be a writer and his name's Michael Green. And that name might not be familiar to some of you listeners, but uh, his uh, resume will seem very familiar, and it's not good. Uh, he was involved on the first two seasons of Smallville, which is when Smallville was at its absolute worst, um, debatably. Uh, he was on the last season of Heroes, which is not up for argument. That was Heroes' <laughs> worst time period. Um, so much so that my brother acts like that show has only had one season. Yeah, i died. um. him. Uh, And then he was involved with Green Lantern. If if things weren't worse enough by the fact that he was on Heroes, he was involved with Green Lantern. Now, he was also involved with The River, which was that show from the guy that did uh, Paranormal Activity that never really took off. Fucked. Oh, really? I never saw it. Awful. So we have a guy who's not known for being part of very good TV shows, or at least TV shows when they were at their best. Um, And this is a guy that's going to be writing one of the most intricately written comics in the history of the medium.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunately uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen has not been treated very well. I mean, the movies the no. movie's terrible, and oh, it's awful. Awesome. And, it, and it's written by a very good writer, which who is James Robinson of all people. And that's 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 always been one of like my biggest disappointments ever because I remember my father. That's a movie he wanted to actually take me to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, it, it's often that you drag your parents to see a movie. Uh, this is one of those ones where dad and I were equally excited to go see it. And we I never even read the source material at that point in time, because I think I was in high school, maybe. And so we, we went, and boy, the deflated attitudes afterwards when we walked out oh, of the theater. Um, yeah.
1: I, I think the only noteworthy addition that that movie makes to the comic is adding Dorian Gray to the team. Yeah,
0: because adding Tom Sawyer is not helpful. <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> they just wanted an American on the team, you know? <sighs> and so you can understand why Alan Moore hates Hollywood studios.
1: Well, not only Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer with a car. Yeah,
0: I know, I know, Tom, Tom Sawyer who uh, you know became Alan uh uh basically his, his his uh surrogate son in a way.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then you have uh Mina being an outright not just a vampire in that she lives forever. No, she
0: was outright doing vampire like things uh, in it. Exactly. It's yeah, all the subtlety of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is right. just you know basically wiped it is, away.
1: It is a comic that um requires writers that are at least close to being as intelligent as Alan Moore. Yeah.
0: Um
1: it requires writers that understand that this is a comic that one panel of that comic could be loaded with as many as five references to something else.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it is, yeah, it is the most intricately written thing I think Alan Moore's ever done. It's the most intricately written thing I've ever, what do you think is more? From hell. You think more so than? Yes, sir. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, sir. All of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, okay. From Hell has an entire book written about its references. Um, well, uh, League, League doesn't have a book, but it does have a very extensive website. Well, no, and, and there there's there are books about its um about its references as well uh that have been written by by Monkey Brain Publishing or been published by Monkey Brain. But From Hell is just a massively deep tome and it's not
1: Which they also tried to
0: adapt to film. Yeah, which was also dreadful. Um but I, I yeah, it unfortunately Alan Moore's had bad luck in in pretty much all film yep. mediums. But the TV show, get back to that. Yeah, Michael Green, you know, he's he is not a bad comic book writer. He's written some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Even in the New 52, he's written a decent mm-hmm. Supergirl. But uh his TV work is horrid. So, yep. uh yeah, I mean this this show is going to be stillborn before it even makes the air, I think.
1: I'm going to I want to wait and at least see who they cast. Um Maybe even see a trailer,
0: yeah.
1: because I want to at least wait for the trailer for some of these, some of this stuff. Um, I love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I'm, I'm deeply troubled right now that it is going to once again just be crucified.
0: It's going to be on Fox, in the right? Art.
1: Yeah, it's on Fox, uh, so it's not gonna, it's gonna already be a step down in terms of some of its content. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, but I mean, they do get away with some stuff on the following that I'm pretty surprised by, so it might surprise us a little bit but I guess we won't have a Hyde screaming that he's going to rape people and rape the Invisible Man and things like that. So, other than that. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, something just to comment on real quick that we've kind of avoided, but it's not that out of any animosity or anything. It's just seemed kind of pointless. Uh, Vin Diesel has had yet another meeting at Marvel, and it seems pretty clear that he will probably not be in Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's he's, he very, might very likely be in Avengers 2. Which kind of throws out the uh, thoughts that he, from people that he might be Thanos. But um, some people have some theories that he might be Giant Man, which is interesting because you would think if he's Giant Man, that means he also needs to play Ant-Man, but I guess they could do two different characters. And then um, there is uh, also a theory that he will be the Vision, which I think might be, even though I'd hate to see the Vision in Avengers 2, I think it that would probably be the best choice for an actor like Vin Diesel, because I think a robot is the best thing he could play.
0: Yeah. Vin Diesel's a terrible actor. Let's just, let's just go ahead and say it and put our, you know, uh, our our, our thoughts out there. I, I, I'm not excited about him being in any film, but I certainly hope it's not the same film that Dave Bautista is going to also be acting in (laughs) Uh, that, that you think things can't get worse than Vin Diesel acting with Dwayne Johnson, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> if it's with Dave Bautista, my head's going to go through this fucking desk. Well, I don't think he's going to do a
1: whole lot as uh Drax. Probably so not. I, I mean, Drax. He's just going to be the guy that's going to be on the posters and he's going to be the guy that is extremely violent, but then
0: even then you would
1: assume Rocket Rocket Raccoons violence is going to overshadow his. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I don't know. It's it, it just seems like Marvel uh, really really wants to cast a humongous name one yes. of these movies, and I don't think that's necessarily I think they already have is the problem. Yeah, they, I mean it's they like those rumors that they were chasing Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey to be Rocket Raccoon. Um, I mean that's, I mean it's just the wrong direction for the studio to try and go in. I mean All it's right. they, I mean they, they're doing fine without it at this point because they've created a, a mega a mega huge franchise now without Mm -hmm. that. I mean, they reinvented Robert Downey's career, but that's pretty much where it stopped. Um, Everything else is, you know, these are young, not new guys, but newer guys, not household names. I mean, Chris Evans is not a household. Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, yeah, but in in small parts, he's not like necessarily on all the posters and stuff. So it's Mark Ruffalo is maybe the next biggest star of all these guys. I'd argue Chris Evans no hell no are you kidding me Mark Ruffalo is a much bigger star than Chris Evans the uh Chris Evans wasn't in shit I mean he was in Fantastic Four but he's not <laughs> remembered for that so uh Mark Ruffalo's been in big movies so sure. you know they they don't I mean it's it just seems like a, a, the wrong direction to go in at this point there's no reason to cast Vin Diesel in Avengers 2 than yeah. uh, than uh than that i can think of i mean it just seems like a ridiculous notion
1: unless he's playing a
0: tree or something <laughs> yeah maybe you know. he's playing group
1: uh, as long as I was about to say, as long as that tree's not grouped <laughs> then it'll be okay <laughs> i mean although maybe he'd be fine as group maybe he maybe he won't mess up three words so
0: it just seems like a bizarre choice for me but whatever i mean that they they, they, yeah. they they haven't they haven't uh, failed with the public uh in a while so you know <laughs> not yet just in a while <laughs> yeah and, well i think i think you know, Incredible Hulk and Iron Man two were were stumbles, but uh, I mean, from a box office standpoint,
1: you gotta crawl before you walk. Yeah,
0: but now now they're doing just fine. So we'll 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 see what happens. They they're apparently smarter than me. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Um, so that's all I've got for news. I know it was an extremely long
1: segment, but um, I, I'm honestly thinking that next week we might just have to do news the entire time because <laughs> if we got this much news the week before Comic Con, I can't imagine how. Uh, just littered with news next week is going to
0: be. I know. And then we're probably going to have to, uh, you know, even have, I uh, have like an entire. San Diego Comic Con episode, so it should be should be fascinating. Uh, There's only one big movie coming out next week, so I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, okay, so let's just talk comics for a minute, and we don't have to like go into super huge depth here. But um, I only read my DC comics because of my my lack of time this week. I've gotten some Marvels that I bought, but I just haven't read them, uh, my Hawkeye or my Daredevil. But I did read uh, the 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 books that come out of like the uh, big two at this point which would be uh, Justice League Superman Unchained and the latest Snyder Batman mm-hmm. and uh, so let's talk about that Justice League man that's the sort of the big one uh, which is the yeah. which starts off the huge Trinity War crossover that uh, is taking over Justice League Justice League of America and Justice League dark so Shane did you enjoy the uh, issue um I will be writing a review of it pretty soon within the next few
1: days okay but I will say that it is probably my favorite issue of Justice League, and that if the rest of the issues of Trinity War are as strong as this one, it'll probably be the best story they've done in the New 52.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I mean, it's... I think the crossover has some really nice potential to be very mm-hmm. interesting. I, I, I will say I had some issues with how... I think it felt a little clunky, like there was just a lot of action being sort of shoved into one issue without... Um, yeah, it
1: could have, yeah, and it could have been confusing if you haven't been following uh, both of these, at least Justice League and Justice League of America, because uh, since Jeff Johns is writing both, which I think is a positive for it, that he has been writing both, because it makes it a very smooth transition when the JLA shows up in this issue. Um, but it could have been confusing as to why all of these things that are suddenly happening, all these culmination of events, why that matters.
0: Yeah, and I also think the Dr. Light thing was terribly unearned. Like, I, yeah,
1: um, that was very strange um, that they decided to kill him off. I would have n- never guessed him until somebody said it was someone who was added recently, and I was kind of just like, well, why did we even bring Dr. Light in if it, he was just going to be killed?
0: Well, well, I mean, it's just – it's it's so unlike a Dr. Light anyway, and he was so obviously going to be the um, – the victim here <laughs> if if somebody right. was going to get killed he i mean he, he might as well have been wearing a damn red shirt man <laughs> well in the t- the whole time they've been
1: selling this is oh a hero will fall and it's like well he hasn't done anything heroic yet yeah. so he can't he can't be
0: considered a hero right exactly especially since he's on the justice league of america that team is anything but heroes right it, it, it it's it's a little bit of a misleading notion though i guess you could argue that madam xanadu being in that explosion that may have killed That's her hilarious. madame xanadu
1: with her oddly specific tarot cards yeah i know they have the heroes on them it's very strange like no no guess no no room for guesswork at all as to who this card's supposed to be about with superman on it yeah uh um i mean it was still it was a good story structure that i still appreciated uh that happening but it was very odd that her tarot cards were that specific um even though i can agree with the action and i can agree with the dr light thing I still think it's a very very strongly written issue. It is written so well and so much it's so great to see all of these stories finally come to a culmination, especially Shazam being added to the Justice League somewhat.
0: Yeah, I I'm 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 glad to see the actual integration of Shazam into the main storyline for once. Yep. That that was a nice step for. It was to the point where uh, if Dr. Light hadn't been killed, I was
1: very worried for a few pages that it was going to be Shazam.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, since he since he
1: was the whole reason all, both of those teams came into conflict, I was like, oh crap, it's Shazam. Right,
0: and especially considering that they had they haven't actually um, <laughs> they haven't actually announced an ongoing war. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, the I, I think that uh, it was a decent start. I, I I'm not crazy about. I don't care about Superman killing somebody. Uh, I right. just uh, that's fine to me because i I, that, I don't know I, I have no i have no attachment to the idea that he's all pure and good um but I do have issues with how it occurred because I just think that it just was sort of forced and I am him being possessed yeah i mean it, it or just to whom like it, there there were, there really wasn't an emotional investment in that character and had he gone and killed say i don't know katana or vibe. Right. You know, one of the characters that, uh, you know, it's probably going to have a canceled title anyway uh, (laughs) in a Mm -hmm. couple of months, uh, then that would have been fine if they had just decided, out of hell with it. Let's just try and build up this character and shock everybody by murdering them. It just seems like one of those characters would be easy enough to just sort of burn off. Um, And I really think it's the fact that Superman was the one that killed Dr.
1: Light is what they were expecting to shock everyone. And it just didn't make, I mean, it made some splashes in that people were talking about, oh, it was a good start and all that. But, What happened in the issue was never anything that I saw extensively debated or discussed on Twitter.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And it it, it, it really had very little effect on the internet. I mean, there was all these rumors that it was going to break the internet, this big secret Uh, about Justice League 22, but...
1: I think for something in comics to break the internet, USA Today's got to leak it a week early nowadays. Yeah, so, I mean the
0: rock- like Miles Morales and all right, that. or you know Damien getting killed. I mean that was right. that was much bigger news than any of this.
1: Oh yeah,
0: uh, this is just like ho hum. People are I think people are desensitized to it, frankly, after the movie. So it's just I don't I don't the general public cares the way comic book guys think they care. Um, that, that this whole Superman killing thing is just not a big deal to most people. So, um, yeah, so Justice League is fine. I look forward to seeing how Justice League Dark actually gets integrated into this story. Probably. I'll tell you what's the most exciting thing in that issue, though. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, is,
1: uh, the outsider at the end of it. Uh, you had talked, talked to me about this before. And I read also a rumor confirming this is that we know that the outsider has lost his world because that's what they established in Justice League of America with Martian Manhunter trying to read his mind. And uh, that world is supposed to be Flashpoint. So if that's what's revealed, it could make him a very interesting villain. Maybe.
0: Um, there's also this rumor, though, that uh, that uh, Forever Evil, uh, the crime syndicate of America, you know, from Earth-3 yep. or whatever, mm-hmm. could be involved. With Owlman and all that is on. Yeah, yep. Owlman, Ultraman, uh, Superwoman. Um, that could be... Um, I think... It could yeah. it, mm-hmm. the outsider could have something to do with that instead. Who knows? You know, he does look kind of like he out- hasn't been on any of he hasn't been on any of the covers for uh,
1: Forever <laughs> Evil. So something tells me he doesn't survive Trinity War. Probably
0: not. I mean, he, I, I'm just saying the outsider has always been prior to um, pri- prior to Flashpoint the outsider was a term that was used for Alfred pre-crisis. Like it was like his secret identity or something at some point.
1: He does look like, Alfred. yeah, and he looks
0: a lot like Alfred. So that's something else to keep in mind, I guess, uh, for uh, potential, uh, you know, twists regarding Alfred, uh, <laughs> or regarding the outsider. That would be a shock. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, I will say though, uh, Batman number 22 to sort of move on to the next book. Yep. I thought that was a really cool, cool issue. Oh, I loved it. I loved it as well. I thought it was great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really into this zero-year storyline, and I didn't like the first issue because of that unfortunate censored panel. I just thought that was horrible. I yes, I thought that was a little too much. Oh, awful. But since then, I've really been digging um, – I've really, really been digging where uh, the where, where it's been going regarding the Red Hood and mm-hmm. some of the uh direction of like pre-Batman Bruce at this point. I like that yes. he's still he's like just as active as he would be without the costume on, you know. He's still, yeah. you know, still this it didn't require him becoming Batman necessarily to be a vigilante. And that's that's a different I type. think it yeah. I think uh I think the fact that it's
1: uh, his origin, it's Batman's origin, but it's a Bruce-centric approach to it. And that is exactly how you make it something we've never seen before because as great as year one is and as great as it is a Batman story, it's a Batman story. It's not a Bruce Wayne story. So I think making it a Bruce Wayne story is a great way to make it your own. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. Um, And I think – I think that this is some of Greg Capullo's best work on the entire title. I think the coloring uh, that's being put into his pencils are just lovely. And it's just, I think Danny Mickey has really, like, made the art on that book pop even more than Jonathan Glapian was as anchor. So um, that book is really still one of the best ones DC's yeah. pumping out. I mean,
1: that awesome. uh, That whole conversation with Bruce and Edward Nygma was one of my favorite parts of the whole issue. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't really like uh, Riddler's sideburns, though. <laughs> they look <laughs> a little ridiculous.
1: They are a little out of control. Yeah,
0: I, I'm not crazy about that. But I am interested to find out who the identity of Red Hood 1 is. It's the joke. Right? I mean, it, I, I think that's the logical answer, but it seems like the book is trying to hint that it's Edward Nigma based on face shape, but I don't know. It just, that seems too obvious as well. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's a, an interesting twist and it's going to be somebody just totally left field. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good story. And I think I, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing what, when we finally get to that flashback from the first part where it looks like Gotham was destroyed, Um,
1: Yeah, it was a very, um, uh, what's the name of the movie? Um, I Am Legend kind of
0: Gotham. Yeah, it was really strange. So, and I'm assuming maybe that has something to do with him becoming Batman, so...
1: Yeah, and it's hard to tell if it, it's hard to tell at this point if it was Riddler or Red Hood that caused it.
0: Right, right, so... Um, it, it'll be it'll be good. I will say. But I think uh, I think the Red Hood
1: gang is the best villain he's done since the Court of Owls, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, his his take on the Joker was fine, but it wasn't one of my yeah. favorites. But this right. is definitely um, something that he's been building to since the Zero issue. So it's 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 definitely a, a good a good title. I, I would still say this is one of DC's must pickups. Um, yeah. Superman Unchained. You only kind of liked it. Is that what you told me? Um, I gave it an
1: A- on the splash page, which uh, if I was going to give it a number out of 100, that'd be about a 90 I'd give it. Um, I thought it was better than the first issue, but it's still not a book that is just blowing me away.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with it's, you. It's
1: spinning a lot of plates.
0: I'm with you. I, I You know, the Jim Lee art is still not – I'm not loving it, but um, compared to every other Superman book that's coming out that's not Batman, Superman – it is like a godsend. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think Snyder—the best part of the issue is Snyder's writing of Superman's
0: inner monologue. Yeah, he does a very nice job of Superman's inner voice, and I'm interested a little bit by the concept of this Ascension group. Um, I think as a terrorist organization, uh, they they have an interesting uh, uh, way style. Yeah, well, they have an They have an interesting theme. I mean, this idea of destroying technology. I'm into that. I'm not so crazy about this hidden Superman thing that the government has. Yep,
1: yep. and I'm, I'm not interested in Luther either. Well,
0: I'm interested in Luther because you know, there hasn't been a good New Fifty Two Luther take since Luther sort of came and vanished in uh, Grant Morrison's yep. run. So I'd like to see a nice Luther story. Uh, but I mean, this is my Superman book for right now until Greg Pak's Action Comics starts in what is it November or December or something. I think it's November. Yeah, I, I mean this is the only Superman book I'm getting. So I I'm I'm making the most of it. <laughs> uh you know until uh until you know something until Greg Pak's action starts up. So but I like it fine. I mean, yeah. we'll, we, it, it hasn't blown me away though. Right. That's just the only thing. We just it, it's not as good as his Batman, that's for sure. But still. Right,
1: and he even shoehorned his Batman into this issue <laughs> so that he could write Batman some more. Yeah, Which was something that kind of infuriated me because the um just to touch on that for just a second, because he, you could tell Batman was only in there, not just because Scott Snyder writes Batman, but because people are probably, this is the one Superman book that a lot of people who have probably never read a Superman book before are picking this one up. Right. If they're not picking up this one, they're picking up Batman Superman. Right. And so they want something familiar. And so they put Batman in this and they put Lex Luthor in it. And, um, let people be more familiar with those characters and then ease them in. And I mean, it's fine what happens with Batman, but I feel like none of the information learned in that scene is something that necessitated Batman being in the issue.
0: No, that that it, it, it was a bit forced. I agree. And I, I'm gonna give it you know another issue. I'm sure I'm gonna keep getting this book until action <laughs> starts. I mean, I, I, I really like Scott Snyder's writing a lot and I mm-hmm. want to see where he's going with Super this Superman story. It's it's still exciting to me to pick up the issue and it's still amongst the first things I read. So um I it's still worth getting. The Batman is definitely better. And uh, hopefully, uh, the Superman and chain, once its story like starts to shape up a little bit, will it'll be on, of that same level. It's not far from it, honestly. But it's we just need to kind of know where else it's going. Uh, um, so for next week, man, uh, to sort of get everything on a round bow here, uh, what are you looking forward to?
1: Um, I honestly think my most anticipated thing. I mean, there are some comics that are looking good. Fables is coming out. And Thunderbolts, Charles Soule's uh, arc is continuing, or Run is continuing. Um, but I really think I'm most anticipating, besides Comic-Con, is um, The Conjuring. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Like, I'm really excited about The Conjuring. I love stuff with ghosts. And the fact that this is... Even though a lot of horror movies say that they're based on a true story, the couple that this movie is about is a real couple. And it was something I was familiar with before the movie came out. So uh, I'm excited to see that. And it's a couple the real life couple worked on the Amityville horror case as well as what they're most known for. So I'm intrigued that if this movie does well enough to get a sequel, if we'll get a quasi third remake of the Amityville horror.
0: Well, we'll see. Um, I mean, it's funny. I've already seen advertisements for insidious 2. Yeah. um, But I am, I am, I am excited for the conjuring. I think, I think we're probably this is the, if there's a reason why Pacific Rim may not end up having any legs in the box office it's because of the conjuring. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, horror movie will kill something that's not doing well
0: very easily. Yeah, so but I, I, the trailers look great, and I love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, so I think yep. I think that's a big draw for me. I'm also looking forward to uh, picking up obviously the next part, of Trinity War, and uh, the late...
1: does that come out this week? Because my comic shop just has Justice League of America's vibe coming out.
0: Um, let me see. Because I thought Trinity War was this week too. Um, uh, uh, July 17th, right? It's the it's next on sale. That yep. yeah, Justice League of America's coming out. Yeah, it should be coming out, like, every week, man. justly Dark should be, like, two, <laughs> a week or two later. And then Wonder Woman, of course. But um, yep. I I am also kind of interested in Supergirl 22, which is the return of Cyborg Superman. Right before villains. Month. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, I just want to see, uh, you know, what the take is on him in this new version. I mean, since there's been no reign of the Superman, I'm kind of wondering what Cyborg Super point right. even is. Uh, well... We might not get an origin until September when he gets his own issue. So yeah, maybe maybe not. I'm hoping that I don't have to read uh, the issue that came before it, so I can at least I can at least right. just read 22 without having to read 21. Um, but yeah, so that's that's probably the thing I'm, I'm most I'm most interested in uh, as far as like the new comics because Marvel. I don't know if there's really much of anything I'm all that excited about. Thunderbolts is starting to become one to get excited about again for me. Yeah, I, uh, Thor comes out this week. Oh, uh, right on, right on. Well, then that that, that then that that in and of itself is is worth checking out, I guess. Uh, but I
1: think we're still. I think that one's the next to last part of this story arc like this story arc is still going on for another two months
0: yeah yeah i mean it, it thor but wonder woman i have the same complaint about F- it, so. ff's coming out too so i mean that'll that'll be fun but uh yeah expect a review of the conjuring asap man <laughs> I will, nice. uh, i'll be i'll be the one doing that one so it'll uh it'll be my first horror review since evil dead and hopefully with better results <laughs> Uh, well,
1: it's not a remake, so it already has that going
0: for yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. I, original horror is uh, very exciting. Well, anyway, I guess we'll call this one a day. Long one, but yep. uh, not too bad. Uh, but hey, man, uh, you have a good rest of your weekend, and we will uh, be keeping an eye on this Comic Con stuff.
2: All right.